Hey, Job. Hey. Yen! What do you want? I want to record a podcast. All right, go ahead. Oh, okay, cool. All right, so um, today some news dropped, and I assume the next episode will have a lot more news uh, about this and about a lot more comic book garbage nonsense. Um, ben Affleck's not done being Batman yet, apparently, which is weird considering he's not in that Batman movie anymore. That's Robert Pattinson. But I guess he's going to be in the Flash movie that's happening, which, uh, if you remember, also has Michael Keaton in it playing Batman. Yeah. So I don't know how this movie's going to handle this shit, but I mean, the Flash movie supposed to be some like they're doing like the weird multiverse shit, right? Oh, yeah, I know. I just don't know how they're going to balance multiple Batmans being in the plot necessarily. I mean, who knows if they even stop it, too? I doubt we'll see Christian Bale, but like we could see some other weird versions of Batman. Like, who knows? Um, it's kind of funny to me that this movie's about the Flash, but nobody's talking about the Flash and it, about it at all yes. it's more about these Batman characters that the are going to show up in it fucking... wow dude way to diss the flash okay. truth I don't know what do you want he's cool um I don't know like I want to believe in this movie I really do I want to believe in DC in general but obviously we watched all of those fucking movies Except for Man of Steel, which, like, eh, whatever. Um, Who cares anyway? <laughs> and, like, you know, for the most part, ugh. Ugh. But DC in recent years has shown some potential, and also some potential with letting directors, you know, make a movie, um, which was certainly not the case with Justice League. And, uh,. But, you know, then we got, like, Shazam and Aquaman and Joker and Birds of Prey. And those are all pretty good. And I'm hoping that that is more representative of the direction that they are going in. Uh, If we were able to see Wonder Woman 2 this year and know how that is, maybe I'd know more about what to tell you here. Yes, but uh, that movie has been delayed into infinity, like uh, all movies in general have. Yeah, COVID has uh, derailed everything. But Ten- Tenet still still out there trying really fucking hard. Tenet is trying. It's trying um, so fucking hard, bro. <laughs> Do you know what's crazy? I think it it's gonna like obviously COVID's not a good thing that happened. But I think the break from never-ending comic book movies coming out has been good. Like, now, when I see Black Widow, I'm going to be excited to see it. You know? Because it's been a while. I think space between these movies is good. Um, You don't need to see one every three months. You really don't. Uh... Like, I'm actually, like, really excited to see Black Widow and the Eternals and Wonder Woman 84 when they drop. 
whenever that may be next year probably as opposed to how kind of like eh, here's more superhero movies i was earlier in the year when i thought they were coming out this year uh the oversaturation being stalled out might be a good thing overall <laughs> in a weird roundabout way but anyway um do you think that this is going to just work as a send-off for Batfleck? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what they're going for here. Are they going to do... I don't know how they're going to, like, approach it. If they're going to, like, oh, this... Because the, the way it was going in Justice League, this is the same, same universe Batman as, the, uh, as good old Flash there. That same universe. Mm-hmm. So, like, he has to exist in it somehow, I would assume. And then he, like, exits somehow. If that's how they're going to do it. And then that way they... They kind of pass the torch to Rob Pattinson, Batman? I don't know. I don't know how this works. Fucking DC is so confusing. Uh, it's comic books, man. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what the movie answer to this is, because we've had comic books reset continuity and to, to different degrees of success. But, you know, I'm thinking like something like Crisis on Infinite Earths happened. And they made all the characters a little bit younger again so that they could make, you know, sort of new stories about them and stuff. So I think that directly led to them doing Batman year one. And that served as kind of like, you know, their answer to this is Batman's origin. Now we have updated it to fit the eighties and that's cool. Um, but how you get there is beyond me because uh, <laughs> they, you know, they had to transition from Batfleck being Batman to Robert Pattinson being Batman. And like, it's, it's going to have to be some crazy time shenanigans where, you know, fucking with the timeline means that Barry can still exist, but and probably most likely Aquaman and Wonder Woman because they're going to be played by the same actors, but then Batman will be a different person. He'll be Robert Pattinson. Okay. I could see that happening. I could see it being something like that. I don't know how you make that work in a non-comic book context, though, because you don't have real people playing the comic book characters. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of just like you could just say Batman's younger now and everybody will believe you because, like, fuck it. Uh, it's this is a little bit different where it's actors changing roles, but uh, I want to believe that it's possible. And maybe the the secret ingredient to that is Michael Keaton. Maybe they can kind of go meta with it and go like, you know. To everyone, you know, every Batman isn't Batman forever. If they literally say that, I'll roll, I'll roll my eyes. But, you know, who knows? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't be so fucking surprised, man. Not even a little if it's, bit. If it's literally a story about three generations of Batman instead of a Flash movie, but it's still called The Flash, that's going to be fucking hysterical. <laughs> they do it, too. They fucking do it. To close this out, uh-huh. my brother texted me, and he said, uh, tell Genhart, I'm going to pinch his cheeks like a grandma. And he specifically asked me to say that to you on air. So, you're welcome. All right. Uh, text him. Okay. On air. On air. Uh, Want me to call him? Yeah, sure. All right, I'm going to call him. him. Hold on. 
He can't hear you, but we could tell him something. And you okay. can hear him. What a fucking asshole. Is he just not going to answer his phone now? He's not. You're ruining the bit! He ruined the bit. You win this round, cut lip. Your call has Fuck him. Alright, I was just going to tell him to, like, you know, eat, eat some hairspray or something. I don't really know. <laughs> um, I'll pass that along. If you're listening to this, Josh... I hope you trip and fall down in the next three hours. If if that happens, the prophecy is complete. I can't and wait 2020 get, will finally end. I can't wait to get a text from him in like two hours. It says, hey, I'm why'd you so, call oh, me? Fuck, man, I tripped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, go, go onward with the show. No. Oh, okay. No, we're going. Bye. Show's over. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the Gen and fucking Jump Show. That's fucking Gen. Hey, I'm fucking Gen. I'm fucking Jub. That's fucking Jub. And we're doing a fucking show today where we talk about the Evil Dead. Well, evil Dead. Sorry, not the just Evil Dead. Yeah, you know what? Just so I don't get confused, every time I've had to write them down, I've just referred to them as Evil Dead '81 and Evil Dead 2013. That's fair. Like, just like, you know, which is what I do anyway. Like, yeah, you need like <laughs> you need a way to differentiate Halloween, Halloween and Halloween, you know? Right. <laughs> it's like, otherwise, how do you do it? Uh, Got to go by the year. For, so, just to see evil yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm That's weird for something like Halloween when Halloween is the sequel to Halloween. Right. That's that's fucking stupid. They should have called it anything but just Halloween. It's called a Halloween too. <laughs> but then there would have been three Halloween too. <laughs> yes, there was. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, we're not talking about Halloween. We're talking about Evil Dead, which we will finish up this week. Uh, we're not doing a big old wrap up episode because it was only four movies, and uh, I didn't watch every, or every single hour of evil dead content you know i didn't watch the whole show uh we didn't play all the video games which is fine because i didn't suck. i didn't read all the comics yeah the video games suck I, I i bet the comics aren't that great either um i'm sure some of them are all right but hey um the remake is the last evil dead thing to come out besides the ash versus evil dead show which i'm probably still gonna watch but i haven't finished yet i'm only like a couple episodes in I got distracted with other shows, but that's okay. You don't need to know anything about it to, to watch this movie. Because mm -hmm. uh, it, it, this is a straight up uh, sort of reboot. Um, I, I like we'll get see, into that in I a like bit. I think of it as a reimagining. You know, it's a bit, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit hard to classify 
because none of it necessarily contradicts the continuity, and that's intentional. But we'll get to that in a while. Uh, how was uh, your two weeks, Jub? Oh, Sorry for the, um, the lack of content. Yeah, well, the lack of content is because it's been fucking awful. I'm selling my house. Yeah. And my God. Jusby is moving away. My God is selling a house a fucking nightmare, let me tell you. I bet it's even worse right now. It's it's the same. It hasn't changed much. Oh, okay. Just like everything, the main part that's been killing all my free time is all the work you have to do preparing for that. Yeah. And since I'm still living it, it's like weird. You basically have to like, they call it like living in a museum where every morning I have to get up and make sure the house looks the exact same way for every person who comes visit it. It's so fucking weird. That is weird. So you guys have like packed up everything too. Yeah, we have some so stuff we like... have out on like display to make the house look nice. Yeah, like I have my bookshelf still up with a bunch of books on it, but I have them like sorted in a nice way, and it looks good. And I saw my computer sure. desk, obviously, and stuff like that. Like the like the people who are visiting this house know that there's still people living here. You don't have you know just copies of the anarchist cookbook on the on the bookshelf, right? I mean, I have like a bunch of like philosophy books on the bookshelf. Then there's also, like, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. See, that's a good book, though. But then there's I can actually a, say I've read that. That's good. There's a, but then there's also A Primer of Drug Action. Ah. Really close to it. So, like, you know. Ah, nobody's gonna look at your books anyway. Yeah. I just thought it'd be funny if you put weird ones in and about it. Nazi's pretty, uh, pretty palatable. To the regular we- regular weirdo that'll come look at this place, and then I have to like sure. when people are visiting, I can't be here obviously, so I just like have to vacate and go mm. somewhere for a couple hours. It's really strange. Yeah. So some realtor can like walk strangers around my house. It is weird. Fucking weird. But yeah, that's well, what I, that's what I played this week. I played the video game. But fuck. What did you play? <laughs> the realtor simulator. 2020 um well it's been a couple weeks so i've kind of played a menagerie of things uh a lot of fall guys a lot lot of of fall guys Now the free time i have had it hasn't Uh, been much but the free time i have had has been spent playing fall guys i mean it's it's like downright an obsession with me i'm like level 39 about to get to level 40 i'm uh and I, i i that was purposeful and that'll segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm intentionally playing a shitload of Fall Guys so that I make sure I get to level 40 before Tony Hawk comes out. <laughs> because... You were like, what, two weeks the, the, away from that? I think so. Um, the Fall Guys has seasons, and they seem to be two months. At least this one is two months. So, you know, just before September hit and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 plus 2 comes out, I wanted to get to Max Frank and Fall Guys so I didn't miss it, because, like, I'll probably still play Fall Guys. But I'm going to play a shitload of Tony Hawk, and if I get super, super distracted, I, I, I'm glad that I still got to the max level in Fall Guys before that. Uh, so that way I don't miss out on anything. But anyway, um, I, I have my first impressions of Tony, because I got the demo. Yeah. Uh... So, 
the first thing I'll talk about is it is bullshit that the demo isn't free. It is very much bullshit that the demo requires you to buy the game to play it. It's a pre-order bonus. Um, it's a demo. I think you should let people play your game so that they know if it's good. Like, I, I'm convinced that there's a lot of people who, if they were on the fence about whether this game is good or not, or, or if it plays like an old Tony Hawk game, they would be convinced by playing the demo that it is good. And then it does play like a Tony Hawk game. But unfortunately, not everybody gets the chance to play the demo because it's behind a paywall. Yeah, which bullshit. is weird. It's bullshit. Um, now, I was planning on buying the game anyway. <coughs> so I got the demo and I've been playing it uh, probably more than any demo I've ever played for any game because... I'm very happy to say it's good and it feels like a Tony Hawk game. And that's like the first time in like, I want to say almost 10 years, right? I was more than 10 years. I think the last one that felt right to me was American Wasteland. That's kind of a lesser entry already, but it still felt right. And then you get Project 8. And what American Wasteland was what two thousand six? I think it was two thousand seven. Project 2007. Eight, two thousand eight. Okay. Project Eight, two thousand eight, and uh, or maybe it was two thousand seven. Yeah, so I don't know. Years. Either either way, yeah, it's been a long time since one has felt right because they changed the engine for Project Eight and Proving Ground, and then you had uh, the dark times where <laughs> they made you know Tony Hawk's Ride. <laughs> <laughs> the the one with the skateboard controller. Uh, and then you had HD and Tony Hawk 5, which I've played both of those. And HD is like wonky and doesn't feel great, but kind of works with nostalgia. And then 5 is just bad. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to note that this one plays like if you grew up playing Pro Skater 4, underground underground Two, that kind of era this place like that and that's what i wanted you can't get off your board which is fine you don't need to i guess like it basically plays like tony hawk 4 yeah because it has everything that tony well, hawk 4 has that's literally what they ripped it from if i remember correctly they found like the source code for tony hawk 4 it's basically like that was the peak like there's a lot of things that i'm glad they didn't go back to a more classic control style on because you need those flatland tricks and you need reverts and it's cool to have spine transfers and and they even went the extra mile and have wall plants and which I think was not in the game until thug and then uh, acid drops which I don't think was in the game in, until thug 2 so it's kind of cool that they kind of like picked and choose like the relevant good stuff that people do like you know you can't not a spin but who did Right. And you can't burt slide, but who did? <laughs> like they they picked and choose things that like would be relevant to bring back. And it is great. It's fantastic. The demo is just a warehouse level and you just have a two minute session that you can just do over and over as many times as you want. You can only play as Tony Hawk. 
and his stats are not the best. So, you know, I kind of like gave myself a little mission. I was going to I was going to try and get all the gaps, uh, which are just, you know, I, I mean, if, you, if you're not a Tony fan, gaps are just like, you know, going from one ramp to another or grinding this specific rail, it'll give you a blue noted trick in your combo. And that indicates that you got the gap. Uh, unfortunately with Tony's stats, the way they are, I can't get a couple of them because you can't go far enough. Uh, I need to jump from the taxi to the half pipe and it is impossible unless I do some bullshit. And I'm not that good at the game. I'm fine. I'm good. I've been seeing a lot of, uh, <laughs> videos of people who haven't played Tony Hawk in, you know, 10 plus years playing it and going like oh it feels right but man i forgot how to play tony Hawk. right <laughs> and like that's kind of been interesting to see you know and that's mostly how I'm, I'm gonna be yeah i mean i'm an idiot and i've still played them like throughout the years where where there was no tony game to play i've beat underground and underground 2 countless times uh but i'm super happy uh, you could also change the controls to be specifically limiting you to what's in thps1 or thps2 uh you can do that that's available to you oh that's Um, interesting but i'm never gonna do it because i need those reverts and i need them flatland tricks like those are just part of my tony hawk dna at this point i wouldn't yeah it's kind of weird it's cool that they let you though so the demo is super limited because the warehouse is, you know, it's iconic because it's like the first level of any of them, but it's super limited in its scope. There's a half pipe and a rail and a couple ramps. And like, that's kind of it. <laughs> There's, it's very limited in what you can do, um, at least compared to some other levels, particularly like Pro Skater 2 levels or bigger uh, so I'm very curious to see the bigger levels and how they interpret them in the, in the, the game itself. Uh, so an interesting thing to note is that, uh, so game, uh, has been the demo, I should say, has been, you know, uh, people are data mining it and yeah. seeing what they can find that's in the files. Uh, people have been able to get to the career mode goals for warehouse. And uh, it, it seems like they've expanded them because in the original pro skater one, there was only five goals per level. Uh, just like high score pro score skate letters, get the secret tape. And then each level would have its own collectible warehouse. It's crazy. Really they decided to expand that shit. That's cool. Yeah. There's 10 goals for warehouse now and a couple stat points you can get. And then some mysterious V icon for vicarious visions. I assume that, uh, I, no one knows what it does because you pick it up and it makes a noise and then it doesn't tell you anything. Mm. That'll, we'll probably find out what that is in the main game, but it's not, but it's interesting to note that it only appears when you turn the goals on, but it, it's not a goal. It's not a goal to get that V, uh, but there's like stat point pickups as well. And, there's only two on the level, which is interesting. There's only two. I don't know what the Vig V icon is, but it seems like uh, I'm hoping all the Pro Skater 1 levels have been expanded to be, you know, more representative of what the the later 
franchises were when it, it came to like, goals I mean, for they, levels. They wouldn't do it to just warehouse. Like, you got to figure. Yeah, I'm that, sure. You got to figure that they did it to the rest of the levels. You have to. Well, the one question that I have, and I haven't really seen anybody talk about this, is Pro Skater One and Two uh, worked on a system where you do a couple levels with goals, and then you do a level that was a tournament, and that would instead of the two minute timer. It would be three one-minute timers, and you would just skate and get as good of a score as you could get. And then it would take your two highest scores and give you a medal based on how well you did. Like, judges would judge you. Uh, I kind of hope that they don't do that. I kind of hope that they just actually have goals for these levels for the first time in the series history. That would be really neat. Like, it's kind of a shame that, like, a level like Roswell, for instance is kind of just a tournament level. I'd like to see some goals. Like, they could get creative with that. You know, it's Maybe a fucking they, uh, alien level. Right. Come on. <laughs> Maybe they, uh, they they make you do the tournament thing first, then you unlock the level to be able to fucking do shit on. That would be super Or something. Cool. Yeah, that'd be super and, cool. And in addition to this, from looking at, you know, screens and stuff that it lets you see in the demo, it seems that characters have challenges and this unlocks like other boards for them it looks like everybody's gonna have 10 boards and three outfits so you can unlock other outfits and boards by doing challenges um i'm not really sure how those work uh but at le- there's at least more stuff to do to unlock stuff than just the career mode and, uh, you know, they've been teasing and talking about the creative modes. I, I think just today they talked about creative skater for the first time. That's back and it looks good. It are they, looks are they good. bringing back creative park too? <laughs> yeah. And that's oh, going to be really cool because that's going to have an online component where you yeah. can upload your parks and shit. Dude, and you could, like, like, you know. tr- like you can make a park for, for me to play and I can play it and shit. I'm really excited for the online. And vice versa. Yeah. yeah. I'm, really I'm very excited for yeah, that. Just, you know, we and you are at the very least me and you are going to play the fuck out of that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure how. Um, I'm not sure how the multiplayer modes are going to be, but I hope that they're good. Yeah, as long as they uh, like, if they bring back the classic stuff like horse right, and stuff, that would be really cool. Bare minimum, if they bring back like just like the classic versus modes, I'd be okay. But if they expand yeah. on that too, like I'm super happy. I would love to just like play horse and like like just play like score attack and shit against my friends. I'd be perfectly it's, okay with that. It seems like everything works on a kind of like collective level system. Like every time you do a run in the demo warehouse, it gives you a little bit of money and a little bit of like a level up juice. (laughs) And like you level up every now and then, like I think it like said I was level seven. Uh, And that's just in the demo. I doubt it carries over, but like that and you can't spend money on anything, of course, because it's just the demo. But that kind of tells me how the game's going to work as far as leveling up goes. It seems like everything is going to give you XP that that's you cool. do, yeah, even that's, if that's you just really do a two-minute session on a level. Yeah, um, That's cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, oh, also, important to note, uh, spoiler for this game. Um, <laughs> the data miners found uh, the secret character, who is Officer Dick, who is the secret character from the first game. Uh, he is a police officer, skateboarder man who is an asshole man. Uh, parody of, you know, obviously cops hate skateboarders, so that's kind of like the joke. Um, also, everybody should hate cops, not just skateboarders. <laughs> but, uh, Officer Dick in this game, the twist is that he will be played by Jack Black. 
which huh. is crazy. That's weird. Uh, it's Jack Jack Black's likeness is on Officer Dick. I don't know if you could change his costume to be just Jack Black. Uh, that is possible because I mean, it, it's always struck it stuck out to me that like they were doing like behind the scenes footage and talking to the old skaters and Jack Black was there. And I was like, why is Jack Black there? He wasn't in the original game, but uh, he's going to be in this one. So that's probably why he was there. Um, and I don't know, as far as that, I don't think there's any other secret skaters, which um, so like no Spider-Man, most likely. Which is fine. I mean, like, I didn't expect it, but I kind of had it in the back of my head. Just this thought, like, wouldn't it be funny if they did get Spider-Man in it and then Avengers comes out the same day? And Avengers has that fucking exclusivity bullshit with Sony is the only one that gets Spider-Man down the line. <laughs> that would have been hysterical. I figured they wouldn't get Spider-Man, but I, I was hoping, like, maybe they'd have, like, Crash Bandicoot and, like, some other stuff that, like, they can do. Nothing's been technically deconfirmed. Like, it, there's a chance that there's other stuff that wasn't in the data mine from the demo that is in the game. Like, the demo might not have been the entire game's files, you know? And I wouldn't uh, want, like, just Crash Bandicoot, though. I wouldn't want the dude in the Crash Bandicoot costume. Oh, like, from the commercials? Yeah. That would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. I would love that. I hope that's what it is. Um, we'll see. We'll see when the game comes out. I'm very excited for that. It's my, the game I'm looking forward to the most this year. Yeah. Uh, next week, I will be talking about Microsoft Flight Simulator. So I was going to do that this week for the podcast. Uh-huh. And I, was, and I, got, I got rather the intoxicated <laughs> last night. And I downloaded the game. And I booted it up. It's like, all right, I'm all boozed up. It's time to, like, get in a plane and crash it into Genhart's house. That was my plan for the night. Instead. Wow. Instead. Good, good plan. <laughs> hey, man, it's a new form of cyberbullying, okay? <laughs> sure. Just crash a plane into somebody's house. That's that's a whole new way to DOS somebody. <laughs> Yeah. So instead, I booted up the game, and it had a bunch of nice accessibility options that I set and all that stuff. And uh-huh. I was like, we have to download assets. But I'm like, I downloaded the game. Like, no, sir. You have to download. You just downloaded the base assets for the game. Now you have to download the assets for the planet. That'll be 91 gigabytes, please. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. All right. Thank you. Pulled the second window, sir. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like wow. pulling up on it's 91 like pulling up, gigabytes. It's like pulling up to the drive. It's like you ordered your food, right? You pull up to the drive through, you pay for you get to the window, you paid for it, you get to the second window and they're like, Hey, pull forward and you're like, Oh god damn it, you know they didn't make the fucking nuggies you ordered and they have to make them fresh now. It's nice that they're gonna be mm-hmm. fresh. You can get some fresh nuggies. But now you have to fucking pull forward. But instead of them only taking like five minutes, it takes a whole day. Right, I got you. <laughs> Man, and so well, my I look of, forward to hearing how that is. Yeah, I will talk about it next week. Unfortunately, I don't have a flight stick. My old flight stick does not work anymore, so I, I have to oh, get a new sad. one. And I plan on doing that anyway. I found a nice flight stick that works on both play, uh, PlayStation Four and PC. The important part of that is I want to get one that has functionality for both, because when uh, Star Wars Squadrons comes out in October, if it's good. I could play that shit with a flight stick in VR, and that'll be fucking crazy. 
That'd be pretty fucking cool if it is good. If, that if game's it is good, good. If that game's good and you can do that shit, they already said it have flight stick support. So, like, and it wow. has VR support. That's full VR support. You can play the entire game in VR. So if it's good, I, I will lose my fucking mind. Well, I hope it is. That'd that, be neat. That will be all of my dreams when I grew up a little kid, like as a little kid playing like X-Wing and TIE Fighter and shit. Hell yeah. Oh, fuck, oh, it'll be fucking nuts. I hope so. <laughs> Alright, what else did I do? Oh yeah, um, I platted this game called Sherlock Holmes the Devil's Daughter. Oh god damn it. Um, so, it's a point and click game where you play as Sherlock Holmes. Uh, it was okay. I, I See, I bought it because I noticed that it was it retailed for $50. Okay. But it was on sale for $2. Shit. And I was like, that's 90% off or some shit. Um, what the fuck? And it's okay. I don't think it would be worth $50. $50 is asking a lot for that game but it's fine it does a lot of things that i like that point and clicks and and telltale-esque games don't do but uh it also has a lot of jank and stupid shit in it which uh i guess point and clicks can tend to have um it's also this weird anomaly for the character of sherlock holmes because like i mean this is not the first game in this series this is like the eighth game in this series and i did not play the previous seven but the way this series works is i think all of the sherlock holmes books are canon and happened but these cases are new content that happens like around the edges and stuff like these also happened in addition to the stuff that also happened but they started out with a very traditional image for Sherlock Holmes, right? You know, the classic hat and pipe Sherlock Holmes. Right. But in the years, you know, since they've been releasing this, uh, the Robert Downey Jr. movies came out and the, uh, the TV show Sherlock came out. And lo and behold, they went and redesigned Sherlock Holmes for this one. And I think the one prior to this, too. Uh, to look, you know, uh, more modern. Uh, he ain't he ain't wearing that hat with the pipe. He's wearing like an overcoat with a big old long scarf. And uh, you know, I, I <laughs> clearly it's weird. I can't think of many times when like something takes inspiration from a different adaptation of the thing to try and gain the audience that the other adaptation has. It's something like, uh, this is a weird pool that nobody knows about, but like, you remember Disney's Hercules? Yeah. Do you remember the Hercules television show? Barely. I, we did talk about it briefly. Cause, uh, you know, uh, Robert Taper is a producer and writer on that <laughs> evil dead man. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so that TV show ended or maybe it was still on. I can't remember. And then Disney Hercules is coming out and then 
there's lo and behold around the same year there comes an animated Hercules movie for the TV show and it looks just like the art style of the Disney Hercules movie you you understand what I'm saying here? Yeah. Like they're trying to like gain the audience of the other adaptation, despite being more based on a different interpretation, maybe a more traditional interpretation of the character. And that's kind of what this Sherlock Holmes things feel like. It's, it's a weird phenomenon that doesn't, that's very specific. I, I can't really put my finger on it. This doesn't happen that often, but like with a character as big as Sherlock Holmes, or Hercules, you're going to have varying interpretations all across the board of this character forever. Uh, fuck, there's even that cartoon where Sherlock Holmes is in the future. He's in the 24th century. <laughs> and Watson's a robot. Uh, but anyway, this is more traditional and you could change your character's design to look like the traditional homes. And I preferred that and did that immediately. Cause like, I don't know. It was taking place in the fucking late 1800s, early 1900s. So like, I was like, I kind of want Sherlock Holmes to look like Sherlock Holmes. I don't need him to look like Robert Downey Jr. Necessarily. Um, the game's all right. Some of the mysteries are really good. And what I really appreciated that this game lets you do is you, uh, there's multiple endings for every case, but when you get your ending, you can literally just, uh, like it, it gives you a screen and it says, hit this button to accept your ending or hit this button to just go back and choose the other one. Oh, that's cool. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. Because I absolutely hate when games, you know, have the hard division where, like, you can't go back and choose a different ending at this point. I, I don't know what started it. I'm going to assume Heavy Rain. I'll just point the finger at Heavy Rain and blame <laughs> Heavy Rain because it's very easy to do and also fuck it. Fuck Heavy Rain. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's just that, like, thing where it's like you made your choice and now you have to live with it, bitch. Like, you know, if I get an ending in the Walking Dead game, I can't go get another one without playing through the entire fucking experience over again. Now, granted, there's like little choices that you make here and there. As opposed to the Sherlock Holmes game, where like it's more just about one big decision. Like, do you say this guy is guilty, so he's going to jail? Or do you say, well, he killed a bunch of rich people who were trying to murder him. I'm going to let him go. And that's that's what I did. So I let the guy go. He was killing rich people that were trying to kill poor people. He, they, they deserved it. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> like, I like that it gave you those choices. Um, however, that doesn't mean that they necessarily made the story better. There's good moments, and there's a lot of bad moments. There's this one moment that was just really fucking, like, stupid, because, like, Sherlock Holmes is able to deduce the mystery of what happened to this team of explorers by staring at a model of the temple that they explored. And the game presents this to you by showing Sherlock Holmes, like imagine that he goes inside the temple and then you're controlling him inside the temple and you have to solve like eight different puzzles in this temple. Um, 
and then you get to the end and you find out what happened to this team of explorers. And I'm like, how does Sherlock Holmes know that from looking at the model? That's weird. <laughs> It doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Like it really stuck out to me as a weird point of that game. And, and it kind of tries half assed to have an overarching narrative. The overarching narrative is about Sherlock Holmes's daughter, who is not actually his fucking daughter. It's James Moriarty's daughter. Spoiler. Uh, and he's raising her, you know, cause Moriarty is fucking dead. Uh, and he doesn't want to tell her that she's, you know, this crazed madman's daughter. Actually, he was just like trying to raise her as like, yes, you're my kid. You're a Holmes. And there's some evil people who are trying to take her away. Show her her true lineage and all that kind of shit. And that results in like the like the, the only thing that really deals with this problem is the final case. Besides that, everything else is uh, separate. And. Its own case entirely I, I guess like the third case was the best one um that had you teaming up uh against your will with an actor who was studying sherlock holmes and following him around and getting himself into trouble because he's a stupid idiot he's not actually smart like you he's just pretending to be sherlock holmes and he's not good at anything so you have to constantly get him out of dumb situations and shit uh, that was very entertaining. Uh, I would be into playing more of these games from Frogware, I think is, is what they're named. There's a new one coming out for the, the next generation, PS5, and, and they're called Sherlock Holmes Chapter One. So I think they're rebooting everything. I don't know if they're actually going to adapt just the, the fucking books and short stories now or, or what, but... um. It was it was okay. I'd give it like a fucking six out of ten. Decent. Needs a guide to get through it though. <laughs> Which it's a point and click. I understand. Yeah. Now, that sounds pretty interesting though. I'd like to switch gears and talk about something uh, really fucking stupid with you. Uh, I watched every single episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I'm done with it. I watched all of it. Jesus Christ. And, and the movie. Um, Quarantine really got you, huh, dude? Uh, it was a great experience, I have to say. Uh, I love that show. A lot of it has held up well. Some of it hasn't, but I'll get to that in a minute. So, Jasmine, you've watched this show, I assume. Oh, it yeah. may have been a few years, but it, it's yeah. Been, it's been a few years, but I, I think I've seen almost every episode. Right. Well, I'm also including, you know, because they, like, did this fucking meme where I think seven or eight, I don't remember exactly, seasons in, they renamed it Aqua Unit Patrol Squad 1. Right. Yeah. And then when that season was over, they renamed it again. Mm -hmm. aqua something you know whatever and then when that season was over they renamed it again to aqua tv show show and then when that season was over it was the final season was coming out and they named that one aqua teen hunger force forever and then it was over <laughs> so like that can kind of 
confuse the issue. Thankfully, I was watching it on HBO Max, most of it, and it's actually in order with a couple exceptions that I'll that I'll talk about because they're interesting. For the most part, it's all there. Just right in order. It's fine. Did you watch like all the spinoff shows and shit? If you could call them that. It's really just more yeah. of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I remember when all those were coming out. I was like, why is there a different name? It's like no discernible reason. Like, okay. It, well, and it's I just, just to be weird. Right. It's just to be weird because Aqua Teen's weird. If, if you're not familiar with what Aqua Teen is, which you probably are, it is a very irrelevant, irreverent, I should say, uh, <laughs> show that is just bizarre humor. It was one of the first shows, original shows from Adult Swim, uh, like way back in the early 2000s. And, and it lasted like a long time. It, it lasted way longer than the other ones that premiered around the same time. Like, I think was there was like 11 years, C-Lab. Or like that? Or 12 years, even. I think 15. 15 if you're going okay. like the last season aired in 2015. Yeah. Holy um, shit. They skipped a couple years here and there. And it's also the only Adult Swim show that I know of that had a movie um, that was actually released in theaters, which is crazy. Craziest thing about that movie is that there was the potential for old people to walk in and say one ticket for Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters, please. And just without any knowledge, without any knowledge of what the series is like. And they probably walked out like two minutes in. Oh, they had to. <laughs> if I had to guess. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to talk about this and reminisce a bit. Um, I even made a, a list because I'm, I'm an idiot and I do that of my favorite episodes and, and least favorite ep- episodes because right, I watched all of them. Let's take a, let's take a quick tour. Give me, mm-hmm. your, give me like a, a quick rundown of your top five and your bottom five. Go. All right. I got more than a top five. I can go through it quickly, yeah. though. I mean, yeah, if you're gonna I'm going to give, give you that bottom five. Yeah, go, uh, with, the, go with the worst. I want to point out that like most of the series is pretty consistently funny. Every now and then you'll have an episode that's a little too like harsh, like they were trying hard to be edgy. You know, like there's an episode that I see all the time that people say, oh, that's one of my favorites called Hand Banana. Oh, that's yeah. not in my bottom five, but like it's I can't weird. find that one very funny now no. because the key joke of it is Carl getting raped. Yeah. <laughs> and that's I remember it. that episode. I uh, like it's it's not it's not like necessarily funny to me that the only joke in this episode is a character getting raped. Yeah. But whether it's whether it's insanely outlandish that he's getting raped by a dog that they cloned. Or is is irrelevant to the fact that that's the only joke that the episode has, and I don't really like it that much. Yeah, Aquatine has this—you probably know this because you just watched all of it. Aquatine yeah. has this weird thing where, like, it, it doesn't do it that often, though, because like mm-hmm. most of most of Aquatine just exists in complete absurdist humor, which happens yeah. to be like what humor has kind of become in twenty like like the late twenty teens. It was a bit ahead of the curve, but yeah. it was still part of that like era where edginess was rewarded in comedy. So there's some times where they went a little too edgy, and I think that's like one of them. Um, oh god, I guess I didn't even we didn't even say what the show even is. Uh, how do you describe what Aqua Teen is? Aqua Teen Hunger Force is like. Two staple fast food items and a piece of meat. That it's a milkshake, of fries, and a meatball. 
Yeah. And and they live together in a in a like fucking crack house. Yep. <laughs> in New Jersey. Goes over I guess their misadventures, but it's mostly just like yeah, like if you just bullshit. I think part of the joke is you watch the intro to the show and it like has this like hip hop theme that's iconic as fuck. Shake Zula, the Mike Rula. Uh, it, it's great. It's a great theme song. Um, the other ones when they changed it up are also really good. Um, I really like the the one for the final season because they went. Uh, yeah, they had they had an anime art style for the yeah, that shit intro. Was fucking weird. I love um, it. But like you know, and then it shows them like solving crimes and fighting bad guys and shit, and then like that plot line is dropped where they're detectives after the very first episode, and most of it is just I don't know something weird happens to them, and that's it, <laughs> and there's no continuity whatsoever. None, because characters die left and right. Uh, Shake and Carl have died probably like 50 times each throughout this course of the series. Um, It's just nonstop lunacy and it doesn't look back and then everything's fine the next week. And who cares? (laughs) Um, I appreciated a break from serialized television because, you know, Every show now has to be a huge Netflix drama with uh, each episode leads into the next one. There's always a cliffhanger and it always goes, keeps going, going and going and going. It's nice to have a refreshing break from that pace as far as TV shows go, where there's no continuity. (laughs) It was it was neat. Anyway. Uh, my bottom five, uh, the episode names are fucking insane. Uh, five is called last, last one forever and ever. Um, I don't like this one. It was a live action episode. Do you remember this? Oh yeah. Holy shit. So shake is played by John Benjamin and Frylock is played by fucking uh, T pain. I think. Yes. Um, but I think that, and, and then Carl was played by, they had a contest to find a Carl to be in the show. And, and like, they like had people send in auditions to be the Carl for the episode. And some dude from PA one, which is kind of cool, but uh, <laughs> like, that's the only part of the episode that actually gave me a chuckle dude's Carl impression. Everything else is very, very flat. It falls flat on its face because for some reason they decided that these characters would be different than the cartoon characters. Like John Benjamin's character is nothing like master shake. And the meat wad is just a fucking exercise ball that talks like meat wad. Yeah. And, and like weird? none of the, none of the characters are the same as the cartoon versions. And it, it's just kind of like just weird experiment of an episode that probably should have never fucking seen the light of the day. Uh, <laughs> I really didn't like it. Number four, we got Kangorilla and the Magic Tarantula. Um, I had to remind myself what this one was looking over my notes because the episode title has nothing to do with what happens. You know, Aqua Team prides itself on being weird, and I respect that, and that's fine. But sometimes they can just, like, you know, go a little overboard, and it just kind of stops being funny and starts being like, oh, so you guys just didn't have an idea for an episode, did you? 
And this one is just like Shake and Frylock are obsessed with a video game, and yep. therefore they don't notice that their house is haunted. And then the ghost shows up, and then the ghost just goes, it's just like a cartoon ghost that goes, ooh, and it like a sheet ghost. And then it, it gets killed by cell phone signals, and it doesn't go anywhere, and it's very not memorable. Yeah, I, I remember not liking that episode at all. <laughs> Number three, I got Dusty Gazongas, which is where a stripper <sighs> comes to their house to fix like a leaky pipe and then of course like they just like carl and shake five for her attention and like it's just a it's kind of like you know it, it doesn't offend me or anything it's just similar to hand banana it's just the one joke the only joke here is that the stripper is dumb and she's like oh i don't know how to fix this even though she's been called there to fix it and then they they're kind of constantly trying to vie for her attention and it just kind of annoyed me the whole time. It wasn't very good. Number two, I don't know if this one's controversial or not, because I see some people say this one good. Uh, fry legs. I hate this one because the one thing that's consistent about Aqua Teen and its continuity is how the characters act. Shake is an asshole. Carl is an asshole, but he's more annoyed than, you know, outwardly assholish to everybody. Uh, Meatwad is childless, child, childlike and stupid, I should say. And Frylock is the straight man. You know, he's the one that has a good head on his shoulders and is smart as opposed to everything that's happening around him. Right. This episode changes that and makes him like worse than all of them combined. He's trying to impress a girl. Uh, so he makes like a body for himself with legs, uh, and hands and shit. And he's just inviting this girl over to fix his computer over and over and rebreaking his computer so that he can see her more. And then it just like snowballs into him killing her boyfriend and taking his body and becoming her boyfriend, uh, to try to get a date with her. And it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not asking for a lot of consistency when it comes to the characters, but it never really felt like something that character would do. Yeah. Uh, it just felt like they were going outlandish just for the sake of it. And it didn't really strike me as funny either. Cause sometimes a character breaking and being a completely different character can be funny. Miwad does it a lot. Like he'll do something smarter than he should. And that could be funny, but like this one didn't work for me. And number one is Hypnogerm, which is just nonsense for 11 minutes. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly. I, I just I just felt like it was too many ideas and none of them work. Uh, and it's a shame because this one has like some cool guest stars in it. It's got Tim and Eric and I think Bob Odenkirk. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to remember. Shake like eats Mexican jumping beans and they like attack his system and start playing plays inside of his brain and they show us the plays in great detail and they're all very not funny and very stupid it's just it's the most unfunny episode of the whole show i would have to say that's why it's the worst but for the most part this show is consistent and good so i'm gonna give you the essentials Okay, I'm not going to talk about every single one, but these are the ones that I find essential. Okay. Okay. Um, and I'll t I'll talk more in detail about like my top five, like you were saying. 
Uh, so we got Moon Knights 3, Remooned. Great. Uh, any episode with the Moon Knights is good, but that one's the best one. The last one, which was like the villain crossover, like all the villains teaming up. Total Recarl, Frida, <laughs> two and a half Star Wars out of five. That's the actual title of the episode. The Granite Family, uh, the last one forever and ever for real this time. We fucking mean it. That was the final episode of the show, if you yeah. couldn't guess. Uh, Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past, uh, Bible Fruit, Dumber Dolls, The Creditor, Sweet Sea, Rabbit, not Rabbit. Bookie, Dummy Love, Laser Lenses, The Marines, <laughs> Last Dance for Napkin Lad, which is it's the only one that it, that one breaks the concept of the show. And that actually is if they were secret agents or detectives. It's fucking excellent. Uh, Alan, which is a two parter. Ezekiel, absolute classic, but right outside of my top five. God bless Patton Oswald for voicing that character like he's a child uh <laughs> so my top five which are all old ones which it doesn't surprise me because the old ones are the more consistently funny they had better ideas you know number five is mcp pants because of course it is that has to be up there that's an absolute classic <laughs> uh mc chris is a funny crazy white rapper who uh, I will tell my kids was Eminem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you will, dude. <laughs> um, in, in this episode, he plays a rapping spider wearing a diaper who is insane and tries to get uh, people to go to hell or something with his evil rap music. It's It's just, it's such a strange concept in the way that they handle it which is just killing him <laughs> is so fucking funny. Um, I, I, he comes back several times, but you don't get better than the first one. Number four is unremarkable voyage. There's lots of episodes like this that I could have chosen, but I like this one the best. It's always when shake takes advantage of a power or something that he shouldn't have access to, and then completely just reaps the benefits of it. But then towards the end of it, you get the satisfaction of him reaping the consequences of it. So this is like Frylock makes a shrink ray and Shake uses it to shrink everybody down and force them to fight for his amusement. And then he just like, you know, but when he falls asleep, they sneak into his brain and explode out of his eyeball. <laughs> and it's just like it's so satisfying to see Shake get uh, murdered and maimed all the time because they make him such a fucking asshole that yeah. like he's, he's it giant, needs to happen. The entire show has <laughs> like, spent him being a giant piece of shit to everybody around him. Basically. And uh, that's a good segue into my number three episode, Video Ouija. Uh, so Meatwad has a video game that is a, a virtual Ouija board and Shake wants to fuck with him. So he literally kills himself so that he can come back as a ghost in Meatwad's video game. Uh, <laughs> and his plan backfires because Meatwad is uninterested in the video game, and Shake didn't know that he was actually going to die, even though he killed himself, and he's asking Frylock to bring him back. So they, they, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of money, so they find a witch doctor from BillyWitchDoctor.com. <laughs> and... Uh, 
this uh this was sampled in a fucking the mf doom danger doom yep. song uh it's fucking it's hysterical he basically is just fucking with them the witch doctor and he's having them repeat a chant which is basically him making them say that they are fucking retarded oops <laughs> and uh but just like slowly he's like i am sofa king and they just makes them like repeat it and and then the end of the episode is just a giant chicken killing everybody so that's good that's always how you end a good episode just everyone dies oops uh number two is where my current twitter profile picture comes from uh the shaving this is a halloween episode uh, where they find that there's been a monster living in their attic this whole time, and they find him on Halloween. His name's Willie Nelson. Not that one, but that is his name. Uh, he is an onion <laughs> with spider legs, and he's a pretty chill guy. And Shake tries to make him do monster things like kill Carl and stuff, but it it obviously backfires on Shake, because Shake's an idiot. And and it it doesn't seem like Willie Nelson wants to be a bad guy. He seems like a genuinely nice, chilled good dude. And then the end of the episode happens. <laughs> Where, uh, turns out, you know, he needs juice. And there may be some bodies in the attic. It, it's, it's a quite uh, great twist on the concept of the episode that was running until that point. Um, yeah. I love episodes of things that just end with a complete subversion of what you were thinking was going on. And then don't seek to answer any questions about what happens after that. Cause like, fuck it. <laughs> but my number one favorite and it, I knew it was even before rewatching all of these is brood, Witch because that is one of the best episodes of anything, at least like comedy cartoon related that I've seen. I don't know why, I just love it so much. Uh, <laughs> the evil sandwich made with. Uh, I forget all the ingredients, but it's something like fucking insane. Eat harvested from hell's acres and shit. It's it's a evil sandwich. And when you eat a bite of it, it takes you to the brood witch dimension, which has a different art style where uh, this this being tries to kill you. And obviously shake is so much of a fucking dumbass asshole that he just keeps eating the sandwich and going back to the evil dimension to get murdered and like narrowly avoiding capture. Uh, <laughs> and there's this bit that is fantastic where he goes to the dimension is eating the sandwich and the beings that are trying to kill him are just having a casual conversation. And it's John Benjamin is one of them. And I always found his funny i mean now he's in everything but like back then it was only like home movies now he's like archer and pops burgers and he's all over the fucking place which is good for him i'm glad but i like that his voice acting style is just his voice <laughs> and that's it he like this, this every character he voices sounds the same yeah, and yeah, that episode's a classic I just find it so funny, just the execution of the thing and how easy it is to avoid the evil that can befall you. You just don't eat the sandwich, right? 
Yeah. But then because of the way that the characters are, obviously that's not where the episode goes. The shake eats all of it except the tomatoes. And then he is tricked into eating the tomatoes as well. <laughs> and then he dies and the episode's over. Classic, stupid Aqua Teen shit. And it just has so many funny moments packed into it. And the concept is so funny to me. The evil sandwich. Uh, <laughs> so that's about it. Uh, I highly recommend that show. Uh, with a couple asterisks. <laughs> and one of those asterisks is interesting because there is an episode called Shake Like Me, which has been removed from HBO Max. Um, it was part of the calling of episodes with blackface in them that happened. Uh, you know, you had those episodes of 30 Rock go away. You had that episode of The Office that has been altered. You had the, the episode of Golden Girls that didn't actually have blackface in it, but it was too close that they removed. And uh, I could see why they removed this one, because the plot is that Shake gets bitten by a radioactive black man and becomes black. And it's it's uh, very stereotypical and stupid. I can see why they removed it. Uh, I still wish that that wasn't happening wholesale because it feels really disingenuous of me to see people just like kind of like shove that shit under the rug and just go like, no, don't worry about it. We never did anything racist over here. Don't worry about it. See, we're a good company. And then then everybody over in the corner is dying and just saying like we wanted we wanted police reform please <laughs> true <laughs> please we just wanted police reform what is this bullshit it's it's very it's like overly performative it like is, i don't i don't it is only, i don't care listen Fuck oh, off. companies only serve to be performative it's very true. And they're trying to not be racist. They're trying to not be racist because they see at the current moment that not being racist makes them more money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's how it will go forever and ever more. Eventually, I bet these episodes get put back onto some streaming services when it's no longer an issue. Yep. You no know? longer serves their interests. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, enough about corporate interests. Mm-hmm. No, did you have something to add? I don't want to cut you off. Not really, dude. Okay, cool. Uh, those are the essentials. Watch Aqua Teen. Avoid some of the... You know, you don't have to watch every single episode like me. But just look for the ones that are good and watch those. You know, you don't have to watch all of them. There's no continuity. But it's fun. I, I like how fucking stupid it is. <laughs> it's good to have a stupid show to fall back on, yeah. especially when you're like me and you're also watching more serious content. Then you could follow back on, like fall back on it with Aqua Teen. Like you know, you watch an episode of Ozark or something, and it's like, wow, that was an intense hour of television. Fuck. All right, I'm gonna watch an episode of Mister Show <laughs> or Aqua Teen. You know, I like having something stupid to balance out more. More. Yeah, it's uh, like it's like, man, Serious this, this episode of television is intense. Right, let's go see Carl in the pool. Yes. I... <laughs> mm. You know. Speaking of corporate interests, usually when we talk about a remake of an iconic horror franchise, that's about all that it takes is a bunch of corporate interests. 
Now, if I remember correctly, with the movie we're about to watch, Evil Dead, that was not the case. Um, I mean, I'm sure there was some corporate interest in reviving this property, but I don't think Evil Dead's ever been as profitable as something like Halloween. No, never. Or Texas Chainsaw. You know, it has maybe more respect uh, just based on the quality of each entry. And obviously Sam Raimi had, had a, his career jump started and went on to do Spider-Man movies and become even more famous. But also, if I remember correctly, uh, that is his property too, isn't it? Like they own evil yeah. dead. I'm pretty sure that's another way reason you're gonna, you know, not see many things happen with it. That wouldn't that are bad. Probably because like they're going to try and keep the quality up on this thing. And I'm glad I'm super glad for that because it resulted in a way better movie. This is one of the best horror remakes I think I've ever seen. I agree to be honest, which usually that's, that's not a high bar to be fair. Like on this show alone, we've probably watched, we've watched Halloween remake, which was terrible. Texas chainsaw remake, which was terrible. Friday the 13th remake, which was like, all right, I guess. It was decent. But then again, that franchise, you know, it didn't need to be it didn't need to be a 10 to impress me because the whole franchise kind of just coasts on a six on six out of 10 energy. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's six out of 10 energy. But uh, Evil Dead is something that, you know. I love every single movie in this franchise, and now I can safely say that. Seen the- yeah, I loved it, actually. It's not perfect, and it's probably the worst, quote-unquote, out of the four, but in any other horror franchise, except this one, in, like, a less consistent one, it would easily be one of the best. Easily. Yeah, absolutely. Did this, but yeah, this movie is really, really awesome in that it uh, its goal it's nothing. It's not like it's not like the Halloween remake or the Friday the Thirteenth remake, where it is it is doing a better job of reimagining what that movie would be in a modern horror context, but like a good modern yeah. horror one. Yeah, that's very important. Because lots of modern horror is crap. Um, it's not a slasher movie. Yeah, and it's not a jump scare movie either. Um, it's very visceral and disgusting, and uh, loud and crazy. And I yeah. loved that about it. it. I got the sense that like this is the movie that Raimi probably wanted to make, but. Obviously, the low, low, low budget of Evil Dead 1 made it a bit more comedic and fun and loose than he might have intended, which no. is fine, because yeah. I still love Evil Dead to death. Right. But it doesn't that, have to be perfect. Yeah, that concept went out the window in Evil Dead 2, though, when they, they had a literal slapstick yes. comedy in it. When they had a budget, my... they decided to just fuck around, which was, God bless them for doing so. Right, that's, that's <laughs> my preferred direction of Evil Dead. As much as I love, you know, the original and this film as well, like, I, yeah. I, I like 
I like cheesy horror a lot. I think I prefer the balance that Evil Dead 2 has. You know, like that's what I think of when I think of Evil Dead now is that one, you know. But as an attempt to go straight horror, I think this does a pretty damn good job. It's it's a fucking horrifying, disgusting, cringe-inducing movie mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a good way. Um, God, I was squirming at times. And, it you know, I don't think I've squirmed at a horror movie since, like, I mean, clearly this movie came out after. But, like, you know, it's been a few years since I've seen Hereditary. And, like, that might be the last time a horror movie's made me go, like, ah, oh, God, ooh, at something. Because yeah. usually it's either not good or aiming for a different tone, which is fine. Um, I sub- liked it more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. I'm kind of impressed with it, and I kind of want to see the director's other movie, Don't Breathe, like, now. I really want to know how it is. Um, I think it got yeah, received pretty well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it did. Um, so let's get into it. This is Evil Dead 2013, which came out in April of that year in the U.S. It serves as a remake of sorts to Evil Dead 1981. But it's still possibly canon with the events of that film and its sequels. I'll get into that in a bit. So Sam Raimi, Robert Tapert, and Bruce Campbell all returned to produce the film but they intentionally handed off the writing and directing to newer creators, which is cool. I'm glad that they kind of view this franchise as something they could use to highlight new horror creators. Yeah. And like, you know, Sam Raimi doesn't necessarily have to make another evil dead movie because he's already done it. He's done it three times. Now they can use it as an opportunity to go, Hey, Fidi Alvarez who uh, co-wrote and directed this short film titled Attaque de Panico. Sorry, I'm not good with accents and things. Uh, and, and that became like a YouTube sensation. Uh, you know, Everybody loved this little short sci-fi movie he made. And it's, damn, he got a contract to make a movie for Ghost House Pictures, and Sam Raimi was impressed with him, so boom, now you're making Evil Dead. And that's kind of cool to me that they can give somebody a shot like that. Uh, So he was born in Uruguay, Fede Alvarez. Um, And he wrote the script with uh, his usual collaborator, Roto Sayaguez. They they both co-wrote Attaque de Panico and the Evil Dead movie and Don't Breathe. Um, Alvarez would later direct Don't Breathe. And also a movie that I've heard is not great, The Girl in the Spider's Web, which, uh, I don't know. I've never read the book because I wasn't a huge fan of the idea of it existing. Like, I'm a huge fan of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, the series, the books, the movie. Uh, I absolutely love the Fincher movie. I fucking love The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movie. Yeah, it's great. Um but I wasn't interested in this idea that they were going to continue that guy's works. Uh, like with his characters, like with new stories that much. Uh, I, I don't know. It didn't sit right with me completely well. Um, so I never read the book. And I don't know how you skip from the first one all the way to the fourth one without making two and three in between. 
uh, really wish, uh, you know, there's some alternate universe where David Fincher, Michael Fassbender, and Rooney Mara collabed and made two more Dragon Tattoo movies. But alas, that's not the universe we fucking live in. Um, I was looking forward to that, too, because I love books two and three. Uh, they're kind of like a two-parter. Um, but anyway, that's all neither here nor there. He made that movie, which is apparently it's not good. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch it eventually. Yeah, sure. So they, they, they wrote the script. Uh, but however, English isn't their first language. Because they're from Uruguay. They're probably better at it now, I have to assume. But assume. this was right when they were breaking into Hollywood, you know. So the script was polished by none other than Diablo Cody, who is obviously like, you know, the Academy Award winning screenwriter of Juno and a million other things. Uh, She Americanized the dialogue so that it all sounded good. And I could see a little bit of it. (laughs) Like there's a couple lines here and there that feel like Diablo Cody lines probably. Uh, she didn't get credited, which is weird. That is strange. Um, but, I mean, I guess she didn't technically write it. She just kind of, like, did some touch-ups. But, like, you know, a fairly famous person to be left off the credits. Uh, hope she got paid. What the fuck? <laughs> but anyway. So, according to Alvarez, he views this film not as a reboot, but as a continuation of Raimi's film series. His quote here is, It continues the first one. The coincidences on events between the first film and mine are not coincidences, but more like dark fate created by the evil book. And he points out that Ash's car is still there rusting away, which is true. Um, It shouldn't be. Though, but it is. Um, So I guess that would imply that this is the same cabin, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Ash's car shouldn't be there. If you go by Evil Dead 2, it got sucked into a vortex. Yeah. It's just Evil Dead 1, I would assume. Maybe. Ash's car should be in the Middle Ages. (laughs) Is what's what's the thing here. Um, But it's interesting, because, like, what what he says here kind of contradicts what they were thinking of doing later. But anyway, um, we have a very small cast because it's kind of mirroring how the original Evil Dead was just five people. It's even the same uh, gender breakdown. It's two guys, three girls for both of them. Um, So our cast is Jane Levy as Mia. Uh, She's also in Don't Breathe, and she also has a role in Castle Rock, uh, which I haven't seen yet, but I might eventually. Um, Shiloh Fernandez as David. Lou Taylor Pucci as Eric. Uh, by the way, I thought I recognized him, and apparently I recognized him as uh, from the role of St. Jimmy or the Jesus of Suburbia in the Jesus of Suburbia music video, uh-huh. which is which is a weird thing to recognize somebody from, but yeah. oh well. Uh, Jessica Lucas as Olivia and Elizabeth Blackmore as Natalie. Now, this is kind of cute that they did this. But it also made me roll my eyes. So our characters' names are David, Erica, Mia, Olivia, and Natalie. 
And you know what that spells out if you only take the first letter? Hmm. Demon. That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Apparently that was intentional. The characters' names are a, uh, you know, a secret hidden message, Justin, that this movie's about demons. Which, how would you singular. how would you have known? How would you have known that there was some demons and stuff in this movie? Is Unless a, you watched it, I guess. There is a demon in this movie. I kind of go about it that the Deadites are demons. Like, they possess people in many ways. Yeah, but, but anyway. I mean, as far as we can tell here, it's like resurrecting one Deadite. And they're able to, like, spread their shit around. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's never, like, two at the same time. Like in the first one, right. it happens. You usually have so a host, there's, and then it right. So there's two cuts of the film available, theatrical and unrated. I think we both watched unrated. We did. Okay, cool. Uh, I think that's just the preferred version for most people. Just the theatrical things, right? cut is just it's just shorter and it removes some gory details, and it also leaves out a pretty significant mid credits scene that seems to tie up a lot of loose ends that don't get tied up if it's not fucking there, which was the case in the theatrical version. Um, it necessarily ties up I, anything, really. I guess you don't really need it, but it, no, they were it intending to make a sequel, so I think confirmation that there is a survivor is necessary for you to have that, I guess. Um, I appreciated it because I felt terrible for the main character and was relieved to see her alive at the end of the movie. Yeah, she goes through some fucking hell, doesn't she? Jesus fucking Christ. But more I, than, like, anybody ever. We'll, we'll get to more detail later, but I love the way this movie subverts that expectation here, where you have a yes. character who you assume is going to take the role of Ash, and uh, that doesn't happen. And I think that's very interesting. Yeah, I like that there's no necessary, like, parallel to Ash. Like, Ash is Ash, and he's in his own movies. Like, yeah. this is just five different characters who are very different from the other characters. It's not a straight remake. I like that it was kind of original in that sense. Uh, yeah. Another really cool thing about this movie is that most of the fucking effects are done practically. Yeah, um, that's one thing I do which, love about this movie. His, so according to Alvarez, his quote on this is, we didn't do any CGI in the movie. Everything that you will see is real, which was really demanding. This was a very long shoot, 70 days of shooting at night. There's a reason people use CGI. It's cheaper and faster. I hate that. We researched a lot of magic tricks and illusion tricks, and like, damned if that doesn't make this movie a fucking miracle. Because, like, there is a lot of shit that I'm just like, how is it not CGI? Uh, particularly, like, the end of the fucking movie. It doesn't look CGI, though. Like, that's the thing. You could tell it's practical. Right. You can always tell when something's CGI. It's very easy to Even tell. Even in, like, 2013, <sighs> CGI was not that good. Yeah, well, I mean, you now may it's still, argue not, that it's still it's, not that good. Yeah, it's yeah. still so noticeable when something had CGI. Like, you know yeah. in this movie it does not have CGI in well, it. Because now we're in the era where we have full characters that are CGI, but you can always tell. 
And I'm not saying that, like, you know, creatively, it's cool that you could have, like, a Thanos walking around. It's cool, but you could tell, you know, you're never you're never going to lose that uncanny valley. Sometimes it's way more apparent than it should be, like like it's something like, uh, you know, like Rogue One with the CGI Tarkin. God, that shit's fucking terrifying looking. (laughs) It's an impressive effect, but it's it's not Peter Cushing. And that just leads to you to have this like fucking like weird feeling. It's just like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> but anyway, so let's talk. Let's talk about this movie. So this movie kicks off with uh, something that I think is completely unnecessary and not that's something that's cool, but not necessarily something that I enjoy. Um, as, as the greater context of the movie, you get a little scene the here. Little intro. Yeah, yeah you I get don't a little scene here with, with a either. girl that like is getting hunted. Um, and you, you find out very quickly that she is uh, a deadite, and she is uh, bound to a pole while uh, her father is forced to light her on fire to save her soul from the deadites. And like, yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward. It, it looks cool, and it's a really neat scene. But in the greater context of the movie, it serves literally no purpose. Yeah, I don't think you need it. I like it as an idea. I like how you start out with this girl running away from people trying to kill her, and you feel bad for the girl. Then because you, you think that, that these, but then you find out that she's a deadite and just pretending to be normal. That's a cool idea for a scene, but it's not really anything beyond that. It's just a cool idea for a scene, and they shoved it at the beginning of the movie. I also hated when, like, later when they find the basement, they have, like, a cut to this scene, and I'm like, dude, I know. Yeah, we get it. I know this is the room. There's dead cats on the ceiling. I remember the dead cats. <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. Fucking Gaddy. So we get a uh So we get our exposition to start off the film. Mm-hmm. Our, our, our uh, five our five friends meet up here. If David and his girlfriend, you could immediately like show up. They're late. You can immediately tell that it's been a long time since he's he's seen these people. There is a yeah, childhood there's some tension. Tension between him and the other dude, Eric. Yeah, who just thinks like he was abandoned. Yeah, by his friend. And, uh, and then you have uh, Mia. Yeah, she's in the back hanging out on Ash's Oldsmobile. Yep. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, David, the good old David here, gives gives her a necklace. Has little relevance to the movie, but it looks cool. I think then, it works just as like a little bit of a callback. You know, yeah. yeah, to the necklace scene in the first movie. Sure. Yeah, sure. So it even lands in the same way at some point, like where it looks like a bit of a skull. Yeah. So here's our setup. Mia is a heroin addict. She yeah. is. She is at this cabin with her friends to stay here to help her through withdrawals. <sighs> she wants to quit heroin cold turkey. Um, this, uh, just to give you some broader context here, this is a terrible fucking idea to help somebody who is addicted to heroin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was they're, assuming that. They're a lot, they'd be a lot better off in a controlled environment where they can get, uh, regular doses of medication to help them through their withdrawals in, like, a, in yeah. a calm, controlled environment. This is not the that. Cold, this is a weird the cabin cold in the woods. The turkey method. The cold turkey method in a very strange place. I guess they grew up here. Or whatever. So maybe like that's the idea. Like it's a familiar place, but like I don't know. I think given what once we learn what everything that's happened to this to these people before the movie even begins, 
it's uh i i wouldn't want to go to yeah. it so like a lot of bad memories or like a, or good memories but you, it would still make you like sad and fucked up and that would really prey on your fucking dts going on here so like yikes no not not good yeah don't do this no go go get some help at not a cabin in the woods and and you get like this revelation that they've done this before and it didn't work surprise surprise uh so like the the friends tell david that no matter what they're not letting her fucking leave which is also kind of shady and not cool but hey whatever yeah at at least we understand everybody's motivations and there's like a bit of a story before the crazy shit happens which i appreciate that's not something that happens in the initial one there's like nothing going on before the deadites show up right there's also a dog named Grandpa. He's cool. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Why he named Grandpa? It's he's, cute. He's it's kind of cute. He's an old Yeah. Man. So they, uh, <laughs> well, I dropped my shit. Oh, pick up your shit. Okay. Stop shit on my podcast, man. Just, what the this fuck? Is something I was fiddling with. I didn't have to pick it up. ADHD, Stop fiddling okay? with your shit, dude. ADHD that's makes gross. you fiddle with things. <laughs> fuck off. Don't fiddle with poopy. I'm not fiddling with poopy. You're poopy. Oh. Fuck you. I'm not poopy. I think. So, we get a little scene here as I usually watch Mia go through, like, some pain in her withdrawals, and she's complaining about a smell. And they're like, what? I don't know what the fuck are you talking about. We don't smell anything. And then good old grandpa starts gnawing, like, starts kind of, like, scratching at the carpet that's, like, in this room. David notices it, and he flips it open. And there is some dried blood leading to a hatch. Now, how the fuck did they not smell that dried blood? I don't know. Yeah, how did but, only the heroin addicts smell it? The, clearly, like, that would be... When you're, that, would when you're, be, that would be a pungent, terrible right. smell, yeah. no matter what rug is over it. When you're on, Come on. From, from my understanding, when you're on withdrawal medication, and like you, you are... Uh, you are withdrawing from heroin, uh, your, sight, your, your senses get heightened like an uncomfortable extent yeah so like they got that part right but there's no way nobody fucking smells that shit but so, anyway hey it's it's the, it's our spooky evil dead basement yep so they go once the again sp- spooky evil dead basement which also serves to be part of the first scene of the movie where that's it's where the place. first scene happened the yep. burning Yep, yeah. there's a bunch of dead animals hanging from the ceiling. It's really disgusting. By the way, this is a log cabin, and this part's only separated by a wood floor. How the fuck did they not smell any of this? Ah, when whatever. they first walked to the door, who would know? So anyway, <laughs> of course they find a gun. Because of course they do. And something that's wrapped up in barbed wire. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, uh, hey, it's the Book of the Dead, I assume guys but anyway they take it out of the basement because fucking idiots and uh professor boy gets to looking at that shit yep uh, and he oops like a big idiot I summoned the demons yep. oops oops he he's did the incantation yeah and so now the evil that is awoken they have the fun little little camera tracking around Yep. Nice that's like back. that's a that's like an iconic character in and of itself. Right. You have the to camera. Have it. You're doing yeah. Evil Dead. You have to have that shit. Mm-hmm. 
So it starts going I like towards the, uh, all Amina. these movies. We don't know what that is. What it looks. Like. I mean, uh, they I, certainly seem to know because they run away from it. D- no, like, we don't. Are you sure? It's not. It's not that weird version of Mia. Are you sure that's not it? Because like it, it really makes it assume that that's it, and that's kind of disappointing. At the end of the movie? No, at the beginning. Yeah, like, like coming I, right I up when we're talking that, about the camera goes up to that part of the woods. And then it pans over to Mia, and then it comes back, and she sees her, like, standing That's true. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, I guess it could just be, like, a version of yourself chasing you. That's interesting, if that's the case, but I like just wondering what the fuck it is. Me too. Like, that's why, but that's why I'm kind of disappointed. It's like, is is that really, is is it that them assuming that's what it is? If that's the case, Eh, like, Maybe. Maybe. I don't want to know what that shit is. It's fucking... It's terrifying that you never see it, and it's just like this force just moving. Yeah. Shit's so cool. And it, like, growls and makes noises. Yeah. At least an army of darkness. <laughs> Love that shit. Oh, man. But, uh, but anyway, Mia still gets- some cool scenes of running away from scary shit. Yeah. But anyway... So Mia gets the big spook, and then she throws up. Yeah. And she just, yeah, she, like, she peers off into the woods. I'm, I'm here where it is right now. She peers off the woods, and she sees that, like, weird version of herself, and it calls out to her and shit. Mm. It's exactly where the camera stopped. That's so weird. she wants to leave, because fuck this shit. However, everyone doesn't want her to leave. Because, you know... They're there to make sure she stops doing the heroin. And they're not letting her leave. They don't know that the spooky shit happened. So she's just like, fuck it, and steals the car. <laughs> and uh, drives into the woods. Yeah. And she crashes her fucking car because she sees the thing again. Yep. And she's in a... Wakes up and gets out. It's like, you know, in a swamp. And, uh, and then we get the, goes, the tree scene. I, I don't think it's explicitly rape, but it's still very unpleasant. Yeah, well, I mean, it's still like the, the other meal like, gets something out of, like, something just, like, falls out of her mouth. And then just, like, yeah. climbs up into her vagoo. Yeah, it's like the force becomes her or whatever. Like, like, you know, fucking weird. The canon of how deadites work has never been consistent. And it doesn't matter anyway. It's just like evil thing go into you. It's really very, very distressing scene. And, uh, you know, she seems like changed. But like, it's not like full scale happening yet. Yeah, and she's, like, really paranoid. And the problem is, like, one of the symptoms of withdrawal is paranoia, so they don't think anything of yeah. it. Yeah, they think she's just crazy. Uh, like, because she's doing that thing where she, she's, like, it's in the room with us, and, like, her brother's, like, it's not. And, like, she sees, like, her evil self in the mirror. Yeah. Or whatever. Possibly call back to Evil Dead 2. And, uh... Then, then, then the movie starts doing the crazy shit. Yep. Uh David goes outside. He finds uh, he finds the dog, 
dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he somehow gets a vision of his in his head of Mia killing Grandpa, which is sad. By the way, this is very sad. Grandpa's the best character. Yeah, in this movie and he's dead. <laughs> I like Mia a lot, actually. No, me too. Like, we'll, we'll get to that. But but for most of the movie, she's very unlikable because she's a fucking demon. But <laughs> right. So so yeah. yeah. So so David sees this. He goes back in to to confront Mia, and she's in the shower. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, the Deadite is taking over. She cranks the fucking heat and douses herself in boiling water. Yeah, it's, this hurts to watch, man. Yeah, she's getting like second and third degree burns on her skin. God, just like watching them like develop on her skin and she just like non reacts. I wonder how they so did so fucking that. creepy. I wonder how they did I, that shit. I don't know. Like, either a very effective version of stop motion. <laughs> Or, I'm not sure. Either way, it's fucking cool. It's very creepy. Yep. It, it, so immediately, David goes to drive her out. And there's no bridge. The bridge isn't out. But instead, uh, the entire place is boxed in by a ravine completely filled with water during this big rainstorm they have. It's a more realistic version of the bridge being out, I guess. But it also makes it, like, confusing whether the demons did it or it's just the bad luck. I would say the demons did it because of what we've seen in other movies. But for this movie alone, I don't know what evidence we have one way. Yeah. Could just be the only way out's flooded. I don't know. (laughs) So he has to bring her back and they're having discussions about what the fuck to do. Like, is, is this just her going through heroin withdrawals like she fucking like this isn't normal that she gave herself third burns this is fucking crazy right uh so i think the one girl um eric's girlfriend i think the nurse the nurse one i don't think they're uh, i don't think they're dating but they're friends oh i thought they were well either way um i think she's going to get like a dose of medicine for Mia. Well, she's yeah, she's going to get medicine for Mia, but uh, Mia comes out yeah. holding the shotgun. Right. Uh huh. And uh, and they're like, "What the fuck?" Mia put the shotgun down. David tries to walk towards her, and she shoots at him, misses, and grazes yeah. his shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, like he gets forced to the ground. You get like the ringing and shit, which is really fucking cool. And then the dark, the the, the darkness comes to the door. And you get the, you know, you're all going to die shit. Yep. Like, oh yeah, this is Evil Dead, let's fucking go. At that time. <laughs> it's time for them Evil Deads, boy. Yep. Mia falls over, they go they go and try to get the shotgun away from her. And then she just gets up, sprays blood all over the nurse's face. That's right, that has to happen first, because there has to be a way for her to get infected. Yeah. I guess. Uh, it's chunky it and disgusting. Yeah, I think uh, um, Jane Levy said that this was her least favorite scene to shoot oh, because, I'm sure. like, I mean, obviously everything was like hard, but like, she didn't want to puke on her friend that she was filming the movie with. You know what I mean? But yeah. she did. So, like, she was like, "That was the worst" because I just felt so bad to do that to her. 
Then Mia falls in the cellar, and then you get the classic Evil Dead. She is now locked in the cellar. Yeah. It's gotta happen. Yeah, you get the whole what happened to her eyes line, which was in the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're like kind of discussing, like, what the fuck should they even do? Yep. Um, yeah, this isn't normal. This isn't just this. And they're arguing amongst themselves. And I think this is when Eric says you need to give her a, a dose. Yeah, yeah of, David says, yeah, David says, go get her another shot. Yeah. yeah and then I think their idea is that they're all just going to leave after they give her the sedative. But this plan uh, doesn't go anywhere because, oops, uh, she's infected. Yep. Uh-oh. Go, uh, our nurse here goes into the bathroom to go get the sedative. And then she gets taken over by Deadite, and she grabs, like, a chunk of glass. Yeah, and it shows you this, like, page in the book, which, like, there's lots of pages in the Necronomicon that Eric was, like, looking at. And, it, yeah. it, like, they all, like, represent things that will happen. It shows the burns. And then this one is, like, the removal of a face. And I was, I was, uh squeamish about this scene even before they showed what she looked like because yeah. just like the hesitation and the build up to it is so tremendously suspenseful yeah and and done well that like I so did not want to see what she looked like I was worried as fuck yeah. <laughs> um cuz Eric like goes to check on her and like just slowly slowly goes over to her in the shower yeah. And you can hear her fucking gnawing at her face with glass. And he just slowly goes, and then he turns her, and instantly she's attacking him with shit. Yep. He's instantly like, stabbing the fuck out of him with glass. And then what I think is one of the most disturbing parts of this movie. Uh, uh-huh. Eric slips and falls on her skin. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I don't know, for some reason that bothers me more than most things in this movie. It bothered me a lot, but it also bothered me how he, like, hit his back on the toilet. Yeah, and then he's, like, like out hurt. of breath and going, like, on the fucking floor. It was all fucking horribly unpleasant. Yeah, this scene is incredibly <laughs> unpleasant. And then, yeah. then she gets up on him and stabs him. And then grabs the fucking needle and stabs him, like, eight times. Yeah. He gets fucked up in this movie. He I mean, everybody tre- does. Tremendous. He gets tremendously yeah. more fucked up than anybody else in this movie. And it's like, uh, I mean, he, he lives for longer than some, so I won't say that. Yeah. Uh, well, no, but like, oh, but, God. Uh, <laughs> he, he gets stabbed by a needle like six times. It gets stuck in his eye, and it gets really close up of him peeling it out. and like. Ugh. Oh, God, yeah. The shot of him pulling the thing out of his eyeball hurt me to look at. Jesus Christ. This movie's great at making you fucking cringe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, gets back up, starts crawling towards him. He grabs the ceramic from the sink and just bashes her head in. Yeah, I thought it was the top of the toilet, like the toilet lid. Oh, yeah, it was, it was ceramic either way. Okay, yeah. Bashes her head in with the toilet lid. Yeah. And piece of glass hanging out of his chest it's like yeah and everybody else comes in and is like what the fuck and just sees the fucking demolished caved in head and and him on the ground he's just going like she tried to kill me she tried to kill me oh my god yeah so like now everybody's confused about what to do (laughs) because like 
well, clearly this isn't just an isolated incident with Mia. Yeah, something is There's happening. something else going on. That's not good. Yep. They go and sanitize his wound, and they patch it up, and it's really gross and bleeding. Mm-hmm. Then Eric tries to tell David that, like, this is probably his fault. Which is, like, Yeah, he tells him about the book. Yeah. I might have caused this. I might have did something bad and caused this. And, like, I think David's kind of skeptical, which uh, you would be. He spends most of this movie being skeptical. Yeah, which is understandable, I would say. Because, like, this is some weird shit. <laughs> yeah. And also, he doesn't want to, like, kill his sister, even though, like, you know, David's already, I mean, sorry, Eric is already talking about you have to dispose of them by, uh, what are the things? It's, uh, it's live burial, burning, yeah. or, or uh, dismemberment. Yeah, and that's how you get the deadite to leave, I guess. Yeah. The infected person. Uh, now, the burial thing is interesting because that is not the case in the other ones. Right. Well, yeah, but the, the live burial thing is just an, just an idea so Mia could live. Yeah, it's convenient. I still like that it's in the movie and it's set up by the movie. Yeah, because it's, then it, it, it's like, still a callback to the original, too. It lets them play with this concept in a very interesting way. Right. But clearly, Ash didn't get to have his girlfriend come back to life when he buried her. You know, it's kind of like it's it's a cheat code, man. <laughs> the anti-deadite cheat code uh, to get around it. Um, yeah, but, uh, David sends Natalie back into the house to go get some water and sugar for Eric. Uh, mm-hmm. Natalie goes in, and the cellar door is open. Yeah. And uh, Mia is calling for Natalie's help and crying. Asking, why yeah. You're down there, you're supposed to help me. What is happening? We're doing that deadite thing. Yeah, of, we're doing uh, the deadite trick. Pretending to not be a deadite. And she goes down there, and that was a mistake. Yep. Uh, that first step fucking breaks. And, I mean, like, this scene... Ugh. This oh gross. my god. It's fucking disgusting. This is a watch this scene, like, in between your fingers kind of scene. And and it's extended for us watching the unrated. Right. Uh, so Mia goes all deadite and has, like, a box cutter. Right? Mm-hmm. Cuts her tongue in half. Yeah, it's gross. Now, it's easy to just say that's what she does and move on, but the movie shows us this in agonizingly agonizing detail as she cuts through her tongue and just blood spurts everywhere, and it's fucking disgusting as she stares at uh, the other girl here. Yep, yeah, but it says, kiss me, you whore, and then, like, starts yeah! spitting blood into her mouth. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so disturbing. Basically, you know, you know what you think about, like, how this movie's been going so far? Basically means that she's about, Natalie's about to become a deadite here. Yeah. And, uh, she's able to get pulled up out to safety by, uh, David? I think. Yeah. And, and David uh, comes in, pulls her out, then, then severely locks the cellar. 
Yes. Yes. Ultra locks that bitch with nails and fucking chains and shit. Mm-hmm. Now Natalie's all fucked. She goes to the sink to try to clean up her wound. And then, uh, it's Deadite time. We get the, we get the call back to the Deadite hand. Very briefly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a disposure of it in a similar way. Uh, yeah, this is also just, God, there's so many scenes in this movie that are just like, ah! That are just violent, horrible dismemberment that is just fucking visceral and disgusting. Uh, she's egged on by Mia from the cellar. Yeah, she's like sitting there, like tapping her fingers on the on the wood, like we're mm-hmm. gonna get you. It's like, oh Jesus yeah. Christ! Like this terrifying look in her eyes. It's fucking awesome. And I think she says something along the lines of "Give me back my hand," which is a callback yeah. to Ash saying that as well. Right. And uh, but she has to cut it off because it's got deadite in her, and uh, she chooses to use. Uh, what, what kind of thing? This is like a like. It's like a turkey cutter, electric cutter. knife kind yep. of thing. It's electric knife. Oh my god! Trying to cut off your own limb with this thing is fucking insane to even think about. You have to go through the Jesus think about, Christ. You have to go through the bone with that thing. I don't know how you do it. Oh my god. It's so it. cringy. I didn't want to watch it. You again. skipped, skipped it? it. Skipped oh, you it. didn't want to watch it again. You're looking at it, it right now. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Anyway, uh, David and Eric <laughs> come back they're like, see yeah. this scene. They see this and she's like I had to cut it off. I feel much better now. And then she like passes out because of course. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that wasn't enough. Well, because me of course she didn't do it soon enough. Face. Yeah. That's why it was inevitable. So she didn't, she didn't even have to cut her hand off. It was going to happen anyway. Sad. Um, yeah. so they're, they're so talking she about becomes it. A dead it yeah. They were talking when they're talking about what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, David's like, oh, this is going to be okay. And then Eric's back are like, she just cut her fucking arm off. Like, <laughs> oh, fuck. I like, I like his character. He's a bit of an asshole, but he's like realistic. And like his dialogue is good and well-written. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, talk and he like, gets, to, he gets to have a bit of a heroic moment at the end, I guess, I suppose. But, um, yeah, they're talking about like how to dispose of it. I'm going like, we're gonna have to cleanse Mia, and the David's slowly starting to come to terms with it, but then he just kind of backs out. Eric calls him a fucking coward, and then out comes Dead Eye Natalie. Um, Mm -hmm. you hear the nail nail gun, gun. yeah, hear the nail gun from earlier in the movie going off. Then she walks out and she put like six nails in her face, and that's disgusting. Yeah, but even worse, she starts shooting them at them, and nails just start fucking oh, this going into them. Crazy! Yeah, shot like four times in the arm, and you see the nails go through. It's like, ugh. oh my god! Shoots David <laughs> in the leg. Mm-hmm. Now they're just dodging nails, getting shot at them. When they're pulling them out of them, it, it fucking hurts to look at so bad. Just pulling nails out of you. Oh my god. This movie's fucking crazy. But yeah, um... The long and short of it is that David gets the gun. And shoots her arm off, right? Yeah. Her other arm, 
<laughs> yeah, she uses, she's using her one arm to beat the shit out of Eric with a fucking crowbar. Right, she gets a crowbar and starts beating him to death. Breaks his hand with it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then David shoots her, shoots her arm off, and she goes non-deadite for a second to, to fuck with him, while her arm yeah. is just like leaking blood. It's gross. Uh-huh. It's really disgusting. She's like David. Why did you hurt me? It's like. Ugh. Constantly fucking with you, those deadites. Yep, and then that, at that point, at that point, David's like, "Fuck it, it's time." Takes Eric outside and puts him against the car, and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna light this bitch on fire. I'm done with this." Yeah. So apparently, this is only in the the extended cut. Apparently, in the theatrical, you don't know what he does with the other bodies, which I think is stupid. I think you need to know that he does basically all three methods of getting rid of shit. Yeah. Um, he burns the one body, and then he dismembers the other body, his yep. his girlfriend's body. With the chainsaw, oh my god, it's gross. Yeah, it is. Uh, need a chainsaw scene or three. Evil Dead movie, you know, of course. Oh, excuse me. You when know, he starts getting ready by pouring gas everywhere. Mm-hmm. But then he uh, decides to go a different method here. He's going for the live burial method on Mia. Yeah. Gets, gets, uh, gets a shocking tool ready with some sedative. It. He just can't do it, so he's... Yep, and he's like, this time the only fucking way is the hard way. He gets everything ready for it. He's ready to take her on. Try to get her outside and get through the live burial. He can't bring it to himself to light her on fire and dismember her. Yeah, which is funny because he did that to his girlfriend just fine, and but his sister—I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's a little different because uh, his girlfriend put nails in his fucking leg. Maybe. See, I was kind of like before I knew what they were going with with the live burial thing. I was kind of assuming that this character is being dumb and putting himself in harm's way because, as far as I'm concerned, me is dead. Yeah. But apparently she's kind of technically not, which is interesting. It's it's a cool concept, even though it, it doesn't really jive the canon from the other movies that well. So he goes down there to get her, and obviously she ain't coming, like, without a fight. Yep. Uh, and she fucks him up real good and almost murders his ass. Oh, yeah. Stabs the shit out of him. You know, all the good shit. <laughs> But uh, somehow, in his super fucked up state, Eric comes down, fucking whacks her over the head, saves David's fucking skin, mm-hmm. and he has this like kind of like sad moment where like like where Eric is like you know, I missed you, man, because like their friendship was estranged. Yeah, uh, as these fucking like dying. And he's like, just leave me or whatever. Yeah, it's really sad. So, yeah. So time to go bury Mia. Yep. Obviously, Deadite Mia uh, does the trick. It's like, why are you burying me alive, brother? It's fucked up. And he's like, you're not her. 
and just like ignores it and then it like goes right back into being a deadite and going like fuck you <laughs> yeah it's fucking great just like shut up like, you're mm. burning hell motherfucker just starts screaming at him it's fucking great yeah so he buries her yep he he buries her and then he waits pulls her back out and goes to defibrillate her yeah, and it's interesting to note that when he pulls her back out, her body is not scarred. Like, it's pristine again. You know? Like, it, like the burns aren't there. Yeah, it's like her body was healed. And the, and the mutilation that happened, like, her tongue isn't fucked up. And stuff like that, which is, uh, convenient. <laughs> it's convenient. But, uh, I, I dig it as an idea, though. It's just really strange inconvenient like if he put his girlfriend's body under there and was able to defibrillate her would she have grown her arm back maybe like i, I don't fucking know like granted bringing someone back to life with a defibrillator is fucking like who knows like that there's no guarantee that that would have worked for every single person anyway right, and likely. also he didn't know that this was how this worked from the get-go, right, he was I suppose. Yeah. And he tried it, and it works. And Mia's back. And they hug, and they're like, oh my god, can't believe this shit. They have a good moment. He's like, I gotta go get my keys, we're gonna get the fuck out of here. But can't can't stay happy for long in the Evil Dead universe. Nope. Because, uh-oh, you forgot about Eric. Now he's dead eight. He fucking stabs the shit out of David. He's trying to go get the keys. Yep. And David's like, fuck it. Closes the door on Mia, tells her not to come in. He sits at the door to make sure she can't. All the gas that was still poured in the house, and he lights the whole bitch on fire. Mm-hmm. I think he realizes that David, I mean, sorry, Eric, infected him. Yeah. Uh... So he's good as dead anyway. He might as well do this before yeah. he becomes a deadite. Yeah, I think he starts it. to become a deadite before yeah, like, the too, house goes uh, up. His eyes change right before it cuts out of the house. Right. He's gone. Yep. And now it's... Uh... It's just Mia. Yep. Which is uh, crazy. Didn't expect this at all subversion of my expectations because I thought she was just dead as shit. And that David was the new main character. Right. But uh, then he dies, and now it's all about Mia. And then we get the last, like, 20 minutes or so of this movie happen. And it's fucking the best part of this movie. 100%. It is fucking bonkers. Yeah, I did so not expect any of this shit. After the house gets lit on fire, it starts raining blood, <laughs> literally. Uh-huh. Just crazy. That's such a cool fucking thing that happens so they used 70,000 gallons of blood for this movie Holy which is shit. uh you know you can compare that to 300 for the original film uh 50,000 of which were only used for this final scene because there's lots of blood that's happening and it's literally raining blood throughout this entire scene it is fucking crazy <laughs> yeah it's fucking and, uh, so wild I guess, like, part of, like, the book's prophecies is that, like, an ancient evil thing is gonna come out of the ground now. Yeah. It's not explained well. 
but who cares? There's an evil thing coming. And here it is. This is the demon reincarnated. Yes. I think, according to the book. The, the, the rituals, the, whatever kind of ritual needed to happen is complete, and demons rising up from the ground. Yeah, all the things happened. Yep. Mia tries to yeah. get in the car, and it doesn't happen. The demon busts through the window and tries to get at her. And she ends up mm-hmm. crawling her way into the shed, and she finds the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have any gas in it. But there's, like, a little bit of reserve gas in, like, a fucking Windex bottle that she throws in it. Yep. She's got, a, she's got some gas. She's got the chainsaw. It's time, baby. And he will definitely got a time, fucking chainsaw. Baby. Oh, man. This shit crazy. Yep, and now this, now she's playing the, uh, she's playing the the offensive game against this evil. It, uh, she goes to hide behind the truck, and it it comes at her, but then she manages to cut its legs off. And then it yeah. flips the whole ass truck over. Mia tries to get away, but she does it in time, and it crushes her fucking arm. Yeah, I was like, holy shit! I couldn't believe this actually happened because, like, I I was fully expecting her to take out this thing. Which I guess she does. Spoiler. But, like, I, I wasn't, like, thinking she was going to be able to do it with her arm removed. Like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> I, guess it's, uh, I guess it's a good thing that she got, like, reset by the, uh, the Deadite thing. Because then she would have, like, you know, had to live the rest of her life having third-degree burns all over her body. And one arm and a cut in half tongue. That's just so, so I guess now she, like, at least she out. just only has the one it's arm. <laughs> the skin off and shit. Ugh. Yeah, it really hurts to look at. Oh my god. She just says like "fuck it" and just fucking like. Use the classic tube mechanism to show the blood squirting out. Yes. So cool. yes. <laughs> I love that shit. It's so fucking disgusting that her arm snaps off here. And then the thing's just crawling towards her, and it goes to goes to lunge at her. She just cuts it in half. And the yeah. Face down. She says something to it. I'm trying to remember what. She says, "Feast on." She says, "It will feast on your soul." She says, "Feast on this motherfucker." And then slides. Yeah, that's good shit. In like Evil Dead fashion, slides her fucking stump into it for stability, mm-hmm. and then fucking saws its face. Yeah. This part's fucking gross. There's blood going everywhere. Be a scream and dies. It's sawing through it. So it's all it's already raining blood, and now there's just like a comically large amount of blood happening from this happening. <laughs> it's probably where all the blood budget. <laughs> and then it gets like absorbed back into the ground. It's like really weird. Yeah, and then it's like the day has been saved. I, I guess. Now you she a- successfully defeated the evil dead. Yeah, but now you also have a bleeding out Mia missing a part of her fucking arm. She's not gonna last long. Yeah, so that's where the movie would end. But then there's a mid-credits scene. So, uh, she lived. <laughs> that's all the mid-credits scene is really for. Yeah. It's show that she uh, she's walking down the road and collapses and comes across uh, a kindly old man drives up and says, oh, my God, what's going on? Holy shit. Are you missing an arm? And uh, loads her into his vehicle and takes her off to the hospital. 
And uh, for some reason, we have like a stinger moment where like she opens her eyes in the back of the car. Literally, but her eyes are normal. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of like weird. Uh, this, so this isn't in the theatrical cut, which is kind of weird to me because it's kind of a significant moment. Um, I, at least, you know, for the story of this movie, likes to know that she is safe and everything is cool yeah. after all that shit she went through. But I guess you don't necessarily need it. You can just like imagine maybe she dies or maybe she doesn't the same thing with the first one you could assume right and then uh oh did you see the post credits post credits uh yeah the 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 stupid thing that happens it's really there for some reason (laughs) dumb (laughs) all right the post credits scene of bruce campbell in silhouette and he says groovy, and then he looks at the audience. And, like, for some reason. <laughs> it just it makes I, no sense. It's one of the weirdest post credit scenes I've ever seen in my life. Um, Ash, Bruce Campbell, has, has really nothing to do with the story of this movie. But maybe they just wanted to tease that he was returning. Which, eventually, of course, he did. The Ash versus Evil Dead series. Yeah. But as far as this movie goes... But I don't I don't really know what you're supposed to take away from that. Granted, this is before Marvel really took off with their fucking post credits shenanigans. Yeah. People are staying to watch shit that teases the next movie. This as just a weird Easter egg is fine, I guess. But it's weird. It's really weird. Uh, there's also of note at the end of the credits before the Bruce Campbell thing happens, they, there's an audio clip that plays and it's from the original. Yeah, it's, it's like it's the, the, the recording, recording of the, the yeah, the tape recording of the professor talking yeah, I, about I, I, I finding the Necronomicon. Yeah, I recognize that immediately. I was like, that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. So, yeah, um, the film was a success. It grossed $97.5 million against its $17 million budget, which is Still pretty relatively low considering everything that happens in this because fucking practical movie. Practical effects are cheaper than CGI. Just hard to do. Right. Yeah. Critical reception was mixed to positive. 63% Rotten Tomatoes score. I think it should be higher. Honestly. I think this movie's pretty alright. This movie was... There's a lot of contention behind this movie when it first came. I remember seeing some outlets giving it like a 9 out of 10, and others giving it like a 4, going like, oh, this tarnishes like what the Evil Dead is. It doesn't have like that that grit that it has. I'm like, no, it's a reimagining of it. Like, judge it on its own. I guess like you could view it as like, this is like the more polished studio version of Evil Dead, but like... It's still Very a different. fucking gross, fucked up movie where people get fucking their tongues cut in half well, like, and their arms I, I really cut off like and nails movie... shot at them. Yeah, I, I really do feel like this movie stands off on its own from, like, the Evil Dead as a whole. That's the way yeah. I view it. I know the, like, the dumb shit of, like, it winding itself into the universe or whatever. It's I really like... don't care. The story on itself, the movie on its own merit, stands on its own from Evil Dead. It's just a reimagining of what it is in, like, a modern context. Yeah, and I, think that's and really I, I dig it for that. I really dig it for that, and I think it works really well. Yeah, it, it, it entirely um, it, did its own thing. It only just took the concept of the Necronomicon and Deadites, really, in a cabin. Yeah. That's it. Now, I, I did, like, talk a lot about, like, whether this would make sense or not in, in the universe, because initially, the plans for what this franchise would become were very different. Um, 
So there were plans for a sequel to Evil Dead 2013 in place, and that's never happened. That's likely not going to happen. Apparently, there isn't a script for Evil Dead 2 or whatever you would call it. Um, and now Alvarez is making other things. Apparently, he's trying to make a Don't Breathe 2, uh, which is fine by me. And I think he's basically said that he would prefer to do that because, you know, Don't Breathe is his thing that he created, which is cool. Like, he wants to keep doing the thing that he created. Right. And Sam, Sam Raimi created Evil Dead, and he can do whatever he wants with it. Uh, but initially, so the plans were to make a sequel to Evil Dead, 2013. And then Sam Raimi was going to make a movie called Army of Darkness 2, which would follow up, you know, with Ash, star Bruce Campbell once again. And then those films would be followed by a seventh movie that would combine the stories of both Ash and Mia in the same movie. Um, Now, those plans were canceled, basically, Uh, somewhat altered in the case of Army of Darkness 2, because that ended up becoming the TV show, Ash vs. Evil Dead. But any plans with revisiting Mia were kind of halted, which I think is kind of a shame. But, like, it's cool that, like, Alvarez gets to do his own successful horror movies now. Like, we don't necessarily need a sequel to this movie. I don't think so. You know so. what I mean? I think it stands well enough on its own. I, I would have been curious to see, like, you know, because that's the opportunity for him to get even more unique with his take on Evil Dead for the second one. Like, he could have done something really different, and that would have been cool to see. You know? like Kind of like, like a good version of Halloween 2. Like, Rob Zombie got to do whatever the fuck he wanted with that movie. And obviously it was terrible because it was Halloween, too. Right. But, you know, the same amount of creative freedom and, like, cool ideas instead of dumb ones employed to an Evil Dead 2 by Fede Alvarez would have been really cool, I think. But it's probably never going to happen. As far as the future of the franchise now, Ash vs. Evil Dead ended and Bruce Campbell said he is retiring from the role of Ash. He's not going to play Ash again. And he's stuck to that pretty hard. Uh, Sam Raimi has said once or twice that he would like to make another Evil Dead movie. And he was hoping that Bruce Campbell would return for it. But I guess Campbell kind of doesn't want to. He's kind of done playing in Ash. And I understand it because these people are old now. Uh, Sam Raimi could certainly direct a movie, but I think physically demanding this of Bruce Campbell now is a little difficult. You can't throw potatoes at him forever, Sam. You, <laughs> you just can't. It's like it'll start to be cruel. Uh, so like now, now there's a new movie that just got announced this year coming, and this is you know much like where Raimi kind of picked Fede Alvarez to make a movie. We got Raimi picking uh, Lee Cronin, who is an Irish director, uh, to write and direct a new Evil Dead film titled Evil Dead Rise. And that just got announced. I don't think we'll see that for a couple years. That's going to be the next one that happens, unless those plans get canceled. So I think it'll be very similar to this one, where it's, it's 
you know, someone else's interpretation of what this is like. And if that's how this franchise continues for the foreseeable future, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with other people taking a shot at it. As long as it's good. Yeah, Yeah. there's no guarantee of that. (laughs) This is someone with a very similar career to Alvarez before he made Evil Dead. You know, he has like a couple short films that were successful horror films. I think that this people is a, liked. I think this is a really cool thing that Sam Raimi is doing. Yeah, I think so. Like just like just giving like people the same opportunity that like he was able to get. Yeah. Like in the, but like with with like you know a more solid uh, more solid budget behind them. Be like, make your movie. Right. It's cool that he's able to do that. It's super cool that he went from being this like no name filmmaker making movies in the in his backyards and shit to just financing this fucking big movie that like, you know, just by the skin of your teeth on a terrible, awful, hard shoot with your friends, uh, borrowing money from everyone you possibly can to being like a huge, hugely successful, big name director. With several blockbusters under his belt. You got the direct Spider-Man, dude. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what he does next, because he hasn't done a movie in a while, and he's attached to do Doctor Strange 2, if that's still happening. Um, Obviously, everything has been... Obviously, everything has been, you know, shifted because of Corona. And I don't know how I feel about the Doctor Strange situation yet, because we saw um, Scott Derrickson... Uh, leave the project and Sam Raimi came in and now is directing it which like I don't think you can't you you, you can't argue that that's not an upgrade <laughs> yeah. but at the same time I don't know how I feel about what that movie's going to end up because Marvel is certainly a company that wants what they want and I don't know how much room there is for creative visions of directors in there yeah, like want- certainly you have exceptions like the guardians movies but it's hard to it's hard to say i would love for Raimi to just be able to take the reins of that and make it <laughs> fucking weird i would love that shit but i don't know if that's gonna happen i think the doctor strange movie has a lot of potential for some crazy weird shit in it and i hope that that movie is kicks ass I really want another <laughs> Sam Raimi superhero movie. I really do. Hell yeah. I hope it's just as fucking crazy. I hope it's not Spider-Man 3, but I hope it's fun. I, I hope, hope it's Spider-Man fun. 2. Sure. <laughs> or I'll, I'll even take Spider-Man 1 gladly any day. Yeah. Fantastic movies. And I guess we're done with Evil Dead now. Yep. And, uh... And if it hasn't been obvious already, like we talked about before, and th- this is pretty obvious. We're slotting this bitch in at number f- number four. It doesn't mean that this is a bad movie. In fact, it's a great movie. It's just not. This as might great. be the most consistently fantastic franchise that we've ever watched. It is one hundred percent for is. this show. Like, I I don't know how high any of these movies will go in terms of our overall tier list. I think they'll go pretty fucking high, but. But either way, like, I'm, I'm sure, like, that's it's not, like, you like, know, like, I doubt, like, any of them will be our favorite favorite. To, to I kind of do. The, yeah, to put this into context, at least as far as, like, horror movies go, Evil Dead 2 is my favorite horror movie. Yeah, and then Army of Darkness is a bit not 
a horror movie. No, it's not a horror movie. <laughs> so our ranking is Army of Darkness at number one. Yep. Which surprised me. And then Evil Dead 2. And then Evil Dead 1981. And then Evil Dead 2013. But they're all very fantastic. I would hesitate to give any of these movies less than a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I like, think it... Really solid. Yeah, they're all great. They're all fantastic movies. If you haven't, like... I mean, I hope you've been watching these movies along with us, but you haven't. Go watch all of these movies. Uh, especially They're like, on various streaming services or not. It's not yeah. very convenient, but no, I, I wish they watch. were all on but one like, thing. You can find out a way to do it. Go do it. I, I think you could rent all of them on Amazon. So like, if you just like want to shout out a few bucks. But yeah, God damn it. These movies good. Um, they're very like, especially the first two Evil Deads are very important movies for cult mm-hmm. horror as a whole. Yes. Um, especially, like, and, and also, like, a lot of, like, important practical effects work happened on the first two movies. Yeah, which is why you should release that original version, Sam. Release, release the tapered taper cut. cut. <laughs> Give me the fucking tapered cut, you fuck. Yeah. Now, our next franchise we're watching is the Dollars Trilogy. Very and, uh, these are uh, very different and old. Um... I haven't. I I think I've seen all of them. So these are the Clint Eastwood westerns, fistful of dollars for a few dollars more, and the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is uh, probably well, not even probably. It's just definitely one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and the other two are good too, but I don't remember as much about them. Unfortunately, I'm looking up. <laughs> fistful of dollars and it's not streaming on anything it's on stars of course it's on stars the i'm sure they're all on different things because <laughs> that's, that's how true. it always goes yep yeah uh, we'll start well. that next week um yeah in the, in the meantime shoot your nail gun at me daddy oh hell yeah Bro, when Mia, like, cut her tongue in half and said, kiss me, you whore, I was like, bro, she could fix. <laughs> You're like, only friends? <laughs> Where are your only fans at? Where the link? Send me them. <laughs> Sorry, I was laughing at this concept in my head. It hurts to even say this out loud, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> Yo, send me them Deadite feet pics, girl. Uh, Where are they at? Uh, I'm like this episode, Deadite feet pics. I fucking knew you would, you piece <laughs> of fucking shit. We're leaving now. See you next week. Bye. Bye.